This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, Quinn Amorum. Whatever your goal is, if it's to generate leads, sell products, send more emails, click funnels, can give you everything you need to market, sell, and deliver your products or services online. All of this without having to hire or rely on a tech team. So if you want to try it for two weeks, 100% for free, go to failfastpodcast.com forward slash click. That's it. I'll say it again. The link is failfastpodcast.com forward slash click. Welcome everyone to the show. Today we have a serial entrepreneur who was named by the Huffington Post as the top female entrepreneur to watch. She's also the top authority on podcast marketing, influencer messaging, and high-ticket sales closing, leveraging LinkedIn. We have the chief sexy boss herself, Heather Havenwood. How's it going, Heather? Good, 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 good. Well, this is um, an extensive resume you have, Heather. So, um, oh, of course, I know a lot about you, and for the people that are not that haven't heard. Uh, all 450 or so <laughs> podcasts that you've been in. Uh, can you just give us a quick introduction? Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're so adorable. <laughs> when you said you looked me up on iTunes and asked if there was another one of me, I'm like, no, <laughs> I've done all 450 of those or whatever. It's been a lot. I actually stopped counting, right? So, um, yeah. So, who I am as a serial entrepreneur, but really, I'm an influencer to help people really grapple with how do you grow your business online. And I've been online since 1999, believe it or not, I know. Uh, my first business online that was truly successful was 2004. So um, I've been online for a long time and behind the scenes. And so I help now people with specifically with their mindset, their marketing, their message, leveraging different, the different tools today to, influ- to create their influence online. What's hot now for tools is LinkedIn that I really focus on, video LinkedIn on LinkedIn and Instagram. So those are my kind of tools I really focus on, um, helping people really increase their influence online. So that's what I do. And uh, one of the things I tell people, businesses today, you have to become a media company. You are a media. If you're not a media company and you don't think about yourself as a media company, then you're going to fall behind. So those are the things that the tools I help people with. All right. And you mentioned that your first success was in 2004. Correct. That means that all your failures were before that or after that? Did no, you have that was actually a, a huge success and a huge failure too. Um, so in 2004, I partnered with uh, a gentleman, a real estate education company. We took a real estate education business from zero to a million dollars in 12 months. And that business is still viable today. Just I, I was a bad picker on a business partner. So he uh, took the business and, mm. uh, and you know took the merchant accounts and cleared out the bank accounts, things like that. And um, I went bankrupt and had to file foreclosure and just picked a bad business partner. And so one of the things I learned, there's so many things I learned from that particular um, catastrophe. And so that was a big catastrophe. We could talk about that later. But that was one of my biggest, biggest failures. And I've had many failures after that. Um, one of my mentors said to me a long time ago, Joe Sugarman, he said, Heather, he's not successful. He's just failed more than most people, right? So I think <laughs> failure is a key piece of success that people don't talk about. Yeah. And was that the Joe Sugarman, the author? Yeah. yeah Joe Sugarman. He's actually the forward to my book, uh, sexy boss. And him and I created an event together back in 2013 called the success magnet seminar. 
it was Joe Sugarman and I were the headliners. And the um, other headliners, I guess you'd say, was Joe Polish, John Carlton, Joe B- John Benson, um, and I'm going blank on the other ones. But those are the big names of the copywriters that were there. It was a big event. He's a dear friend of mine and a huge success. I've been a big mentor of mine for the last decade. Pretty impressive. Thank you. So besides when you had that, uh, all those problems, besides the financial situation, what, was anything else affected? Like psychologically, family, anything like that? Oh, yeah. I lost my, I lost everything. My bank accounts were cleared out. Within 30 days, my house was in foreclosure. Within six months, I was in massive bankruptcy. And I left my house with my dog and my truck at the time, my car, my truck, and my SUV. And I lost everything. I mean, psychologically, I was completely destitute. I was living out of my car. I lived on friends' couches. Yeah, it was a massive uh, break in psychology for myself. It was right at 2007, 2008. So it wasn't like I could like, you know, go get another job. It was really hard to even find a job. I worked at Starbucks for a couple of months. Um, and it was a catastrophe. So if you're not in the United States, in Florida or Vegas at that time, you understand what I'm talking about. And it was very, very challenging took me years to overcome that on the psychological level. And it's still something that I deal and drop, grapple with today because it was such a massive, um, it was such a massive, I wouldn't say the word failure. It was just such a massive hit. And so when you're dealing with that on a day-to-day basis, it's just, can, you know, could deal with your psyche for sure. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you go to get over that and to, to become uh, to become who you are today, of course, you had to go a long way. Um, yeah. How did that happen? Adversity is interesting, right? The moment you think you get over it and feel like, oh, it's put behind you, it's more than that. I think what happens with adversity, any kind of adversity, some people it's illness, some people it's a divorce. Mine just looked the way it looked, right? And I think one of the things I'm learning through life is that when adversity hits, it's one of these moments that kind of forces one to go inward, deep, spiritual. It's a kind of a spiritual journey. We try to think, well, we just go get another job or just create another company or just go get money. That'll fix it. And that's not how it works. That's not what the universe is doing. That's not what the God universe is trying to tell you. And so I had to go pretty deep um, in that journey, in that process, and really figure out who the hell am I? What journey am I really on? Why am I doing this journey? What's my why? And the challenge I have with that kind of conversation, if you don't mind me just going on a, on a little. Yes, please. Is that one of the challenges I have specifically is the why you hear a lot about Tony Robbins and some big motivational speakers talk about your why and how important the why is. I agree. And I disagree. One of the reasons I disagree with it is because the automatic why people go to is like family kids, (laughs) right? Well, I'm kidless. I don't have kids. I'm not married. I don't have a dog. My mom's dead. What's my why? And I think that that's, no one talks about that. It's like that automatic, well, my why must be my kids. I'll do everything for my kids. Well, what if you don't have a kid? Or what if your kid doesn't give a crap? You know, what if like your kid doesn't want you to be an entrepreneur or whatever that is? I think that's a false start and it's not always a solid why. It's a real true why it's got to be beyond you, like really beyond you. Like yeah. mine right now is empowering a million women across the planet to start and run their own companies. Why? 
because I want them to be able to choose to be in a relationship in their life, not be, become a slave to a particular man, excuse my language, but a man is not a plan for women. And right now women still use man as a plan in business. And I think that that's not the case. And living your life for your kids is not a good why either. I disagree with that. And this goes in the face of everything you were taught. So when I'm sitting there on the beach, you know, and I'm 33 years old, I'm broke. I have nothing in my life. I literally have nothing. And I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing. You know, it can't be for the kids when you don't have one. Hmm. So you've got to be able to dig deeper beyond just procreation. It's got to be bigger than that. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I often hear uh, one of the top people that I hear talking about that is Simon Sinek about the why. And I always do the default. When I start thinking about my why, it goes directly to the family. And I see my kids and I always think to myself, well, that is just so easy. Finding my why can't just be that easy. It's okay. It's my kids. All right. Now what? So yeah. I, I, I always thought that my why has to be something more powerful. Not, not that they, they are very powerful. Of course I love them, but it's something different. Yeah. So I'm so glad you brought that up. I have yeah, to keep it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's one of those, it's, a two, it's two levels, right? When people say, what's your why? And they put kids, it kind of, it kind of, as a, as a human, it's one of those moments where like, all right, I fixed that answer next. But if you look deeper in those moments when you're pissed off with your kids and your kids are, you know, being a-holes and whatever, you're (laughs) like, why am I doing what I'm doing for them? You know what I mean? It won't, it won't move you past the big adversities. It might for a moment when they're young and adorable and cute, but when they're 17, 18, 20, and they're making your life living hell or not, I don't know. You've got to be doing something more than that. And I always think about my deathbed. Say you're my deathbed. I may or may not have kids, whatever. What do I want my legacy to be? Is it just that I live my life for my kids? Or is it actually like I made an impact on this world? You know, that's different. And I, I think that entrepreneurs with that big question, why, they just want to put something down so they can keep going forward. But when you're sitting there, like I said, on the beach by yourself with absolutely been stripped away of everything, you, the identity of who you thought you were, and you're sitting there going, who the hell am I? You know, for the kids isn't enough. Yeah. For the future generation is enough. It's more like, who am I living for? What's, what's the impact I want to make on the planet? It's got to be bigger than just my six-year-old at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it has to be. If not, you'll fail again. See, that's the thing, right? You'll, you'll fail again. You might be successful in the world called there's money in the bank, but is that really success? What's the true success, right? So I think that's a redefinition, redefining what success is for every single person. I'm sorry I'm going so esoteric, so please forgive me. But I, I just feel like it's a really important piece of the conversation. So now that you found your why and it was helping uh, female entrepreneurs, where'd you go from there? It's really not helping female entrepreneurs. Let me rephrase it. What it is, is helping and helping women know that they can have freedom and no matter what their education is, no matter what their um, uh, age is, no matter what. And I'm a big proponent of women who've gone through sex trafficking and how they've been abused and how they have no confidence 
and giving them the opportunity to be free. So it goes way beyond than just entrepreneurs. I think a lot of women don't think they're entrepreneurs, but they don't have to be an entrepreneur to have freedom, right? So um, for me, it's just one of those nuances. As far as what did I do next, I you know, started focusing on getting to work on how I can help more people because it's not how I can help female entrepreneurs, right? Or female women is one thing, but how do I do that? The vehicle I do that is, is helping any entrepreneur, any business owner, how do they make more money on LinkedIn? How do they use their influence? Man or woman doesn't matter, right? It's really helping people in business and life. Uh, but my big why is that if I can do it, then I'm showing that women, they can do it anywhere in the world. Lead by example. Yeah. Do you think that uh, being in business as a female entrepreneur, were you ever judged differently? Like, Was I ever? And uh, yeah. every day. <laughs> still, still today? Oh, very much so. I'm constantly being, just recently, I was told, quote, Heather, you help women entrepreneurs. There's no value in that. Heather, you help women entrepreneurs. We don't want any part of that. Heather, you're one of the few women entrepreneurs here in this group. They're mainly men. We don't, you know, we don't really see you as valuable. Like, I've had it all. And that's only in the last year. So, um, yeah. Oh, I... I really thought that, okay, maybe a few years ago, like you say, you started in 99, things were obviously different. And I figured by now there would be a plus, plus you're well known. So I, I wouldn't think that would happen to you. <laughs> it does. I mean, I'm, I don't want to put like light on it because it's whatever. I think it's other people's viewpoints, other people's fears, things like that. I'm a person where I am a woman, but I want to help all entrepreneurs, right? No matter what their gender is, it doesn't bother me at all. I think that, yeah, things have changed. You know, my first mastermind, I, when I walked in, I was the only female and I was asked to go get coffee. So I'm, if I'm asked to go get coffee now, I usually give them like, the, you know, they know me and I'll give them the bird or something and they laugh <laughs> at me, right? But they don't ask me that anymore, right? But, um, but yeah, I think that... Um, it's it yeah am i still judged yeah yeah i mean that's the bottom oh. line <laughs> it's part of the territory for me at this point right i don't i just like you know it's all yeah. good it's all good it's okay though so today you are the chief sexy boss so what what does that position do what that does i wrote a book called sexy boss about the empowerment of women and it was my personal story and joe sugarman's the one who should, told me i should write it and he helped me write the foreword and the title and, and I wrote the book. And when I wrote the book, I didn't think much of it. It would be anything other than just like a book out there. So it's, I kind of created this chief sexy boss thing going on, but let me explain to you what sexy boss means. And it comes from more of a theory that's been around for you know many, many decades, which is think and grow rich Napoleon Hill chapter seven, I think sex trains mutation, which is the most underutilized, most underread chapter in the entire book. Um, which is a book about success. And the, the chapter Sex Transmutation talks about sensuality, sexuality, energy, that it's the highest level of energy as we, as we have as human beings. And that if you squander it, it talks about males, obviously, because it, it was written in the 30s. So if you mm -hmm. squander that energy in the male, pers from men's perspective, you can never really be successful. But it's the same for women. When women squander or squash their sensual sexual energy too, they really can't be successful at the highest level. So sexy boss is kind of understanding that the sensual sexual side energy, which is an energy, you know, and being the boss, which is owning all areas of your life. That is the powerhouse right there. That's like the, 
preps. In the male world, we call that a charismatic guy, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a ton of actors, George Clooney, and you know, I could name some really cool dudes that are just very charismatic. But what they're doing is they're allowing their sexual energy out, and we call that charismatic in in, in America, right? But in um, in Beyonce, she's extremely high sexual energy, right? Madonna. However, in the music world, in the acting world, it's, it's, um, it's allowed. It's massive permission, obviously, because of, it's an art. Um, but in the business world or in the conference room, it's usually inclinate. It's usually, you know, masked or requested to tone it down or whatever. So I'm saying out loud, I think it's okay to be a sexy boss or a sexy stud um, in any environment. And today you are the creator of the Influencer Growth Formula and yes. Influencer Tribe. So yes. this is, we hear this now and it doesn't matter if it's on podcasts, any, yeah. any website that I open, it's Influencer and Influencer Marketing. And I, I've used it myself, I've used Influencer Marketing. Can you explain what this is? Yeah, it's a good question. So there's a couple aspects. So the word influencer is being definitely thrown around a lot. You know, you've Mm -hmm. probably seen it yourself. Um, What I'm talking about is to move yourself from expert to influencer. And Dean Graciosi right now is either talking a lot about knowledge-based business and creating a knowledge-based business based on what you know. I agree with that. However, the piece that I don't agree with is becoming the expert. When you become the expert, that's one level. The next level is influential. And influencers are more powerful than experts. Let me give you a prime example. Oprah. Oprah, we all know who she is, has never said she's an expert in something. If you notice, she's an influencer in a particular genre for a long time, it was more the spiritual realm and bringing, you know, Maureen Williamson and some amazing Eckhart Tolle to the forefront. She had more power being an influencer in that particular niche, personal development, spiritual growth, than she would ever be as an expert. And she knew that. So she said, I can either use my um, uh, status as an expert or I can be a student and I can be an influencer of. And that's what raised her to the level, next level of who she is. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So that there's more power in being an influencer, I think, than there is being an expert. The moment you put an expert main thing on yourself, you're now in a box. Because now if you screw up or you mess up or you say something wrong or, you know, God forbid, you don't do something right. It's like your expertise can be tarnished, Mm -hmm. but an influencer is more like, Hey, you know, Oprah talks about all the time. She's like, I'm trying to figure this out too. You know, you can tell she's like, Oh, I haven't forgiven people. I should need to do that too. You know, she shows her flaws when you're an influencer, you can show flaws. And I think that's really more powerful. You can be more authentic. Yeah, that that is, that is true, and I guess her authenticity is is so powerful because so many e-commerce servers I've been 
turned off every time she mentions any any kind of business and it's good temporarily while the server is still up but that's just so powerful yeah yeah i mean you get it right so that's the distinction between influencer and expert what's happening now is people don't understand that distinction and so they they clump it with expertise you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that's the challenge so as far as influence i tell people if you really want to make an impact your why in life, move from expert to influence. Be an influencer in your industry. Another great example of influence and not expertise, as soon as I say it, you'll know, is politicians. <laughs> okay, Politicians are the ultimate influencers and sometimes ridiculously stupid when it comes to policy. So you know, they surround themselves with experts in policy making. I mean, policy making in the United States is, is a freaking career. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they have to surround themselves with, you know, consultants and all these people. But what are they really doing? They're influencing people, votes, right, for a specific thing. And they have the experts around them to tell them what that policy is. That's a classic example of influence, good or bad, right or wrong, don't like it, not like it. It's still an example. And how do I know, how, what is the metric to see if a person is an influencer? Is it uh, a 1,000 followers, 10,000 followers, or is it more than just the, the following stats? It's more than that. It's like I always tell people, you can be an influencer in your industry. So I know people that are, are chefs and I'm like, okay, you can be an influence in just your restaurant alone, or you can step up and be an influence in the industry of the restaurant business, you know, or mm-hmm. in the in the world or in your local area. How can you influence things? And it doesn't always followers. How you know the best metric, I always say is what I call the omnipresent effect. And the omnipresent effect is things like, God, I see you everywhere. Like the moment someone says that to me, like, oh my God, I see your stuff everywhere. Or like, I like what you said about this, or I don't like what you said about this. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. Like when I search your name on uh, iTunes and uh, (laughs) every single podcast has your name in it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Like that. So it's like, am I influencing an industry? You know, the way I know is that when people say things like, you know, I like what you said about this, or I heard you say something about this. And if they comment or not about it, it doesn't matter. If they don't like it, it's still influencing because, you know, Howard Stern, uh, Joel Olstein, uh, Rush Limbaugh, these are all very uh, large um, people in the radio space, right? Mm-hmm. And influential space. But 50 to 51% of each of those people's listeners hate them. So if you you think about that, a true influential person like a Rush Limbaugh, um, who's very political on one side, 50% of the listeners hate him. Yeah. So you've got to have a little more thick skin when you go into the influential field, specifically Rush Limbaugh, when he says something, you know, both sides of the fence, no matter what side you're on, People have a commentary about it. I think he's horrible. That's what he said is bad. But the fact that he, they're listening to him is the influential piece. Yes. And as soon as you said it, I started thinking, how can people do that? And then I remembered that 
I listen to Joe Rogan, and I'm not his biggest fan, but I always listen. Yeah, see, that's a great example. You're not his biggest fan. You probably argue with him while you're listening to him. And but he's influencing you because he's making you think or he's making you go, I disagree with that or oh, that's kind of cool or like whatever he's making you do. He's influencing you on some level. Nice. So I mentioned the influencer growth formula. Uh, This sounds like it is a way to grow the influence or get the influencer to, to grow. Yeah, it's about how do you create your influence, right? What's your message? What's your market? And then what's the media? And those are the three kind of pillars of the process. And a lot of times people come to me and they don't have a clear message, they don't have a clear market, and they don't have a clear media. Or they kind of screw all that up, you know? Um, So I help them do that. I help them figure out what their message is, their market is, what's their media. And then I move them from thinking they're a marketing business to a media company. And the the media is like the the media platform, like. the Instagrams, Facebooks, LinkedIn. So, yeah, media is a great term. There's two types of media, paid, not paid. Okay, now everything's paid. <laughs> However, from a perspective of just media, I have to break it into two boxes. Mm-hmm. And those are the two boxes I go down. But just to give you a quick little snapshot, a paid media is like a Facebook ad, right? Okay, um, a Google display ad. That's a paid media, a billboard a news, uh, and you know, whatever, like something you paid and wrote the check for, for placement. Mm-hmm. Um, non-paid is what I, what I play with. I really focus on non-paid media. Non-paid media doesn't mean that you don't have to pay for it because maybe you have a social media person and a, a copywriter, or maybe a, a, a video editor to, to do stuff, to play stuff, but it's still a non-paid media, but it is a media and people don't use and leverage the tools media correctly. And that's what I work with them on. How do you really leverage LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at the highest level you possibly can before you go into paid media? I always tell people focus on the non-paid media first and then go to paid media. And is LinkedIn your your top uh, go-to platform right now? Yes. LinkedIn is definitely my my main one. I am going to be lever- using YouTube a lot. I've uh, been hiring some consultants and going down that road personally. But uh, LinkedIn right now is my main brain and bread and butter for sure. And uh, did you get access to the bed at, uh, of LinkedIn Live? Which I, I have not. I'm, I've been like, oh my God, I have no idea how much this is driving crazy. I did apply. And I've been very upset that I haven't gotten it yet. Um, I'm, but I'm, I'm still out there praying for it. Yeah, I've been reaching out to a bunch of people hoping to get it. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm so surprised that it, they opened it. It's for U.S. only. Yeah. And I, I have a friend who lives in Eastern Europe. And he applied and he got, he got it. So, oh, that's awesome. Congratulations to him. That's awesome. Yeah, but I was so surprised because I was told it was for U.S. only. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless, I don't know. I heard that too, but obviously they changed their mind. <laughs> maybe they changed the mind or he changed his IP. or something. Probably changed his IP. Is probably That's not hard to do nowadays. Yeah. 
So when it comes to LinkedIn, I find it an amazing tool for, for leads and, uh, and most people want leads. And more than that, they want visibility. Mm-hmm. How do you think is the best way to get that visibility right now? LinkedIn. I mean, if you have a business to business, a coach, if you're a speaker, if you have any kind of business to business at all realm, then it's it's definitely LinkedIn. I If you do have an e-commerce business, that would be a little different. You'd have to play it differently. But LinkedIn B2B is really a key piece, right? So um, franchises is an undertapped market for sure. Um yeah, those are just all key pieces. Visibility and getting leads, key. So how specific are you when you're on LinkedIn? And of course, we can add contacts and a lot of people that add contacts that, that, that they don't really know. Do you, when that happens, are you really targeting? Uh, because I know when LinkedIn sees who your connections are, I guess the algorithms are going to show you more connections associated to those. Yeah. So you're very specific picking. Yeah. So, so a couple things that people don't understand about the algorithm of LinkedIn, which is very different than Facebook. So number one, it's not a social media. You have to look at it differently. Okay. Number okay. one, number two, the whole thing is it's, it's, it's a container within itself. So Google cannot search LinkedIn. Okay. It can only search your personal name and your company name is the only thing that's actually quote unquote searchable in the world of Google. Okay. So you have to keep that in mind when you're doing your company pages and also your personal pages. All right. So, but once you get into LinkedIn box, so like imagine as LinkedIn is like its own world, it's like Mars, you know, it's got its own gravity. It's got its own vegetation. It's got its own rules. You know what I'm saying? You, you get on Mars, you can't play like you're on earth. You know, you mean, you know what I mean? So <clears throat> it's like its own game. When you walk into LinkedIn, People understand how LinkedIn works. And LinkedIn is a, it's a CRM plus a database plus search, all for business. And when you understand that, you can play the game better. So you have to look at your personal page like an ad, like an advertisement. Yes. It's doing two things. It's either attracting your target market, right? Or attracting people that want to do business with you. It's like... It's one of the two. Like, think of it like a Google uh, ad. So you have to set up your, your personal page like an advertisement, like your personal business advertisement. Seriously. That's the best way to do it. And that's how I teach people how to do it. I'm actually doing right now doing free consultations for people, doing a 45-minute consultation of doing a, a, uh, a consultation on their LinkedIn pages to help them through that process. And how I know they're doing well is I can tell by their results. So there's data on the premium to show their research results. And I look at the data before and after, and it always goes up 10, 20, 30%. Oh, that's impressive. So uh, there was a debate I had uh, a while back, and I want to get your opinion to this as well. When it comes to your LinkedIn profile, do you do it in first person or third person? Oh, that's a great question. That's a good debate. yeah, Yeah. Okay, so in the summary section, I would do first person. I, Heather, you know, I do this because it's an ad. It's personal, especially Mm -hmm. if it's a, especially if you are your, um, you are your business like myself. Okay. 
if you are a company and you work for a company, let's say you work for Amazon or some other company or a salesperson for a company, you could say, we at company help companies, da, 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 da. So you're doing the advertisement for the type of business you want. However, that, in that case, I would do third person. But majority of the time, let's say you're a coach or a speaker, you know, it's first person. I do this. I help people do this. I speak. I do keynotes. You push the I because you say we, and we all know you're by yourself. We all know you might have a team, but we all know what you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it sounds weird or it even sounds weird when you do the Heather is a nominated. It sounds too, I don't know, resume-ish. It doesn't sound personal. You know, I'm not attracted to that. Uh, sounds very pompous. Um, it's not, it's not appropriate on LinkedIn. That's my view. What's yours? Well, I had, uh, one of the main reasons I, I thought third party would be the best. Uh, it was actually something that you possibly just debunked. And <laughs> when you write in the third person, you mm-hmm. get to write your, uh, the full name, for example, um, uh, Heather Havenwood yeah. did this, or Heather Havenwood is this. And yeah. For search engine optimization, now that when somebody will search your name, you would be more. But your name is already being if you if they if they search your name inside of LinkedIn or they search your name inside of Google, your quote unquote name section is already uh, spidered. So it's not going to help you. What's actually going to better help you inside the summary section on LinkedIn is keyword stuffing. So if you're a consultant, speaker, keynote, you want to throw all those in there. So it's better if you do things like I, you know, hey, my, you know, hey, um, I help. I don't know. I'm a business coach that helps people uh, grow their business ten times. Um, um, I love doing the following: keynotes, blah 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 blah. Keyword the stuff hell out of it. So that's better. And you're also thinking about think so here's how this is why I this is my debunk on, on yours, okay? So you ever heard of Rotary or BNI group or things like that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. They have those in Europe, right? So they're they're local business groups, right? Okay. And if I walk into a local business group, they're usually during lunch or breakfast because it's a business meeting. And if I walked in and I met you and I said, Hi, I'm Heather Havenwood. And what Heather Havenwood does is like, and I'm talking third person, you'd be like, what the F is wrong with you? Right. If I was like, Hey, so what I do is I help businesses grow their influence online. What do you do? It would be like, Oh, cool. What do you do? Right. It's more natural. So you want to have LinkedIn like that. You want to have it set up like you're going to a business meeting. And so instead of speaking what you do, they're reading it. Now in my bio, like I, you know, I sent you my bio list. I think I did. On my bio, on my website where it says media and it's bio, it is third person because I expect that you or the host is going to literally read it. Heather Havenwood is, that would make sense to send you a third person so that if you, I'm interviewed, you can just copy paste that and read it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, right? Yeah. But when it's my own advertisement, that makes no sense. So I did, 
Uh, after having that discussion, I actually um, I stuck with the third party, and I that's what I have now. So I may just have to update that. Update. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can test it. And right now, and just to be clear, if you go to mine right now on this very second, I'm in third person on my LinkedIn. Um, but I, mainly because I've been lazy, I needed to just change it. It, I, but I, I don't know why I don't have that. It's mainly out of just laziness, and I need to go change it. But I'll go change it right after we're done. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know what's funny is that uh, when I get to change it now, I'll probably have the VA do it, so it will actually be written right. the third. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, I would just write it in first person on LinkedIn, but on your bio and summary and things like that on your website, it's third person. Mm-hmm. So, Heather, I saw that you were referred to and in a lot of the media as the wizard behind the curtains. Yeah. So I can see that. I can see why, but for, for growing other businesses and helping the entrepreneurs, uh, have you ever wanted the fact to be known? Like, okay, I was the one that did that. Did it ever bother you that you're behind the curtains? Oh God, you're so cute. Um, God, did it ever bother me? Yeah, sometimes it did. Yeah. Um, sometimes it did, but I'm very good at it, so I guess not. But sometimes it did bother me. But you know, to me, it's about the business growing and people succeeding. Um, it wasn't really about anything else. But yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. I guess I kind of, I kind of feel like um, sometimes I'm like. In the past, I've been like a campaign manager in a political rally or something. Like, you know, it really is a campaign manager that really helps them get elected. And sometimes we don't even know who the campaign manager is, you know? Yeah. It's all I good. It's all good. How, how big is your team now? I don't have a big team. I'm a team of two. I, I don't like to have big teams. I'm simple. I keep things very simple. I am looking at bringing on a PR person. I just had a conversation with her this morning um, and looking at bringing someone on more of a full-time for video, but I keep things pretty simple as needed. I learned the hard way of that. I think that's one of the things I've learned is that you don't need a big team. I think big teams are overrated. Um, it's kind of like having a Ferrari. Like what's the point? Yeah, I, I agree with that because uh... I actually fear for big teams because the bigger the team, the bigger the headaches that are going to come with yeah. it. Because I, I did work at a, a corporate job where there was hundreds, hundreds of people, and uh, it was just, I guess it's painful to be the boss when it comes to something that big. Yeah, not not a fa- and, and it's just not my thing, right? Some people like love that, and that's cool, but that's just not my that's just not my thing. So, Heather, can you give us maybe one of your top tips for using LinkedIn? Yeah, so one of the top tips I'm using for LinkedIn. This is a little fun one. I don't really talk about it much. So, um, if you go to my LinkedIn right now and you see my name and my name is Heather and Havenwood. And right now I think it says influence like a boss. I sometimes change it to marketing like a boss or influence like a boss. And if you notice it's after my name, it's actually in the section of name. So mm-hmm. what that is, is technically the last name. Right. And some people are like, well, how did you do that? I even put a little emoji in there. So it makes it even more pronounced. Yes. Um, how do you do that? How you do that is you can't do that on your desktop. 
you have to do that on your mobile on the LinkedIn app. So as of right now, it's a glitch. So if you go to the LinkedIn app and you edit your last name, you mm -hmm. have more characters and you can put an emoji in there in your, la in your last name on the LinkedIn app only. Okay. There's a little tippy tip tip. And the other one is same thing, LinkedIn app only in the title section. So the, they call it the title, which is where I think you should put like what you do. You have more characters on the LinkedIn app, mobile app than you do on your desktop. There's a little tippy tip tip. Nice. When, when you said the first one, when it came to the name, I thought you were going to mention something else. That, oh, what? Uh, what did, tell me, tell me. Do I know, know something? When you, and I think this one is the opposite. This one works on the desktop. So when okay. you go into, under the settings and you, you open your profile, there's a tab that says previous name. Okay. On your, on your previous name, you can put what you want to be known for. For example, uh, mine it would be Amazon FBA or Amazon Sellers. And oh. LinkedIn will name you Quinn Amazon FBA Amorum. So they put your previous name in the middle with brackets. And no way. Oh so God, when somebody so searches for Amazon FBA, uh, my profile will show up. Okay, I'm so using that. I'm so <laughs> using that. Wow, thanks for teaching. I just seriously did not know that. Yeah. Um, I have a previous name, so right now in there is my previous name. Um, but I will use that. I will totally leverage that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Just a second as I uh, handle that. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. So what's one of your favorite tools today? Tools. Okay, so there's a couple. Um, Oh my God, going blank on my one that I use all the time. Hold on a second. It's a video one. Oh my God, hold on. Have you ever done that? Like, oh my God, what's the name of the damn thing? Yes, um, I know. That happens to me. There's tools that I use every single day. And I know. Hold on. Because they're saved in the history and the favorites. I don't know the names. <sighs> okay, so I use RecurPost. That's my for recurring stuff. RecurPost is great. Super, super cheap. It's basically like Hootsuite, but it's a bunch of Indian guys totally just, you know, basically took Hootsuite and made it the same and made mm -hmm. it half the price. So that's cool. Is it um, almost like the duck soup? I don't know duck soup, so possibly. There you go. Okay. Don't know that one. Uh, video Rama. So that helps you put different cool stuff on your videos. Uh, where's the one I was talking about? Uh, okay, I can't think of it right now. Yeah, I use Slack, of course. Yeah. And um, WhatsApp a lot. But, I mean, that doesn't really help you, right? So <laughs> those are the big ones I use right now. Sorry, I'm, I'm going blank on the one that I'm, like, thinking about. No, that's fine. I, I never remember the names, although I use them every day. Like but you know what I do use a lot? I use Minichat a lot. I use Push Crew a lot. These are ways I grade my list. Push Crew, Minichat. Um, if you're not using those, get those. Um, that's, that's it for now. You program your own bots in ManyChat? Yeah, I yeah I started doing ManyChat about two years ago, so I do my own bot build outs. Yeah, I did it too. I'm no expert at it, but uh, I did it. Just watched a few videos, and here I go. Yeah, here you go. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's actually something that I hear a lot of people say. I'm I'm dabbling in this, and that's kind of what I'm doing. So that means uh, you never become an expert at something you're dabbling. 
Although now I know not to use the word expert is. Yeah, you know, that's okay. Like for me, I, I dabble in mini chat. I've been doing chatbot stuff for a while, but um, I just get it to a point where it's working for me, you know, and it's working. And then when I want the expert that like goes all deep into stuff, it's like, great, I can hire that. But, you know, getting to something that just works for you, that's fine. Uh, I see some people using experts and then they procrastinate. Like I was talking to a guy yesterday, we no longer work on a working together. And one of the things that kind of killed the deal for me is when he said, well, when we build this funnel out, you know, we're going to be testing it in a thousand different times and we'll be testing the pages at 50 times. And I don't believe in that. It's like, get it up, get it going. And then as we're making money, we can slowly start to testing things out. Procrastinating where you're freaking out and testing things at 50 times. It's like, I mean, you just get, you just, you know, Ford cars don't make it right every single time they put out a car. And then the next year they go, okay, we're going to tweak these two things. And they put out another car and then they tweak these other two things and they put out another, car. but they're still making money on the cars. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think people like try to make the perfect funnel and all that crap. And it's like, forget about it. Forget about it. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I agree with that. Cause if you're waiting for perfection, you always have an excuse to not launch it. It's, Correct. It's not perfect yet. So that is just your excuse. Yeah, totally. So, uh, Heather, you, you trademarked Like a Boss? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. So besides uh, Like a Boss, if our audience wants to, to reach you and get some help from you, um, where can go, they find you? Go to askheatherann.com. That's ask, A-S-K, Heather. A-N-N.com. What that does is goes right to my chat bot and I do look at those myself. So um, even though it's a bot, technically you still are talking to me, right? So if you're like, Hey, Heather, I have a question, then, you know, it's me, right? I'll answer it. So uh, feel free to go check me out. Heather, Heather, I'm um, askheatherann.com. If you're interested in LinkedIn, of course, go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash LinkedIn, which is my LinkedIn. Bob the only Heather Havenwood on there. That's the best way to get a hold of me. DM me on LinkedIn. Um, I do check it. I don't have a bot there or a admin. So um, I'm very accessible on LinkedIn more than anything. There you go. I'll have all of those on the show notes. And the last one was askheatherann.com? Yes. Okay. I'll have that in the show notes as well. Meanwhile, I sent you a connection request on LinkedIn. Oh, we're not connected. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. I apologize. I I, I'm so sorry. No, I just did it. So. Oh, you just did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I will accept it right away. <laughs> awesome. Heather, thank you so much. It was a pleasure and I hope we can do this again. Yes. Thank you. And today's sponsor is the German sports company, roommate.de. Roommate is a professional group who is offering a wide range of sports goods and leather products since 1990. Their main focus is to develop quality products for their customers. Roomave has progressed up to the top mark among the sports community around the globe because they commit to develop new technologies in this modern world. Roomave provides a customer-oriented environment. Their products are produced in friendly environments by keeping the rights of the works secure and protected. Rumeif offers a wide range of sports products, including boxing, martial arts, fitness, and MMA equipment, footwear, apparel, 
gloves, and other sports products which are necessary for boxing, fitness, and martial arts. Apart from this, Roommate has also introduced an independent R&D cell to develop new products and provide advancement in these production methods. The company's motive is to create this brand as a winning image. They want their customers to be engaged with them for a lifetime relationship. Now, if you want to check out Roommate, you can go to roommate.de. I'm going to spell it. It's R-O-O-M-A-I-F dot D-E. Check it out. I'll repeat this. R-O-O-M-A-I-F dot D-E. Thanks for subscribing to FailFast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.